Thank you, Kelly Robinson, very, very much. And at the uh, extreme loose usage of the word, good morning. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, what a week. I hope that you and your plants and your family have all been warm and have survived it intact. And, you know, you get the picture. I hope that it's been at least a bearable week. I know it has been awful for all of us as Texans. We shared your uh, frustration. We shared your cold. Um, We had the same sorts of rolling blackouts that most of the state had. And uh, I'm glad that that's behind us for most of us. There still are some without power, but I don't think it's because of the rolling blackouts. So anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about gardening. Uh, we're going to have probably some questions today. Uh, the one thing I'm going to ask you, you're going to hear me pop the top of my diet drink here. So forgive that. It's not any, not anything worse than that. Um, the one thing I'm going to ask is please keep in mind that we have a big audience and they may want to hear about more than just your particular one plant and whether it might or might not have survived. Uh, I'll, I'll talk in general terms as best I can. Uh, bear in mind that we broadcast Amarillo and uh, Victoria and Corpus Christi all at the same time. And so it's, it's very difficult just uh, two or three days into the thaw to tell you whether this or that plant will have survived. I'm very concerned, for example, in the northern parts of its zone, whether St. Augustine is going to survive, St. Augustine lawns. I know on December 23, 1989, we live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I know that I lost my entire Raleigh-St. Augustine lawn during that uh, four below zero cold spell that night. Now, we did not have a snowpack like we did this time, and that may make a big difference. But, uh, boy, I hope it does. But it also was not as cold for as long. I sat in on a uh, a Texas A&M Zoom conference with members of the industry yesterday afternoon, and I saw the figure that uh, soil temperatures down in the uh, 23 to 24 range uh, would be enough to kill Raleigh-St. Augustine at the 50% range. Half of the lawn would be expected to be gone, or half of the grass. I think I have that figure right. I need to go back and look at it. It's in the uh, Texas Plant Clinic uh, YouTube channel. It will be. I don't know if they have it posted yet. But that was the most cold-hardy of the uh, varieties that they tested. And, and I think we got that cold in North Texas uh, this week. And so that's pretty scary. Uh a lot of plants that you thought were going to be winter hardy in your part of the state. Those of you in South Texas thought that uh, your pittosporums were never going to freeze, and they may have. And a lot of people in Central Texas thought that your waxleaf phlogustrums were never going to freeze, and they may have. And Texas sage would never freeze, and it may have. Um, And so forth, down the line. Uh, I want you to think about, and we've talked about this before here, uh, I want you to think about the 19, I want you to think about the United States Department of Agriculture hardiness zone map. If you'll Google that, hard, USDA hardiness zone map. You have to have that exact phrase, hardiness zone map. It'll show you a map that was probably the one that'll pop up probably will be 2012, and it'll show the entire country, and then you can zero in on Southwest, and it'll show you Texas county by county. And um, it will predict the, the expected lowest temperature each winter. 
and if you can find a 1990 map to put alongside it, compare those two and you'll see the impact of the winters of the late 90s and the early aughts of 2000 up until 2012. You know, we had that, that warm spell. I'm not a big advocate of global warming. Um, and I don't want to get into the politics of all that. And, and you know, I, I see the things about the glaciers melting and the, and the sea levels rising, and, and so maybe it is true. But, but what I'm saying, and that may be a big long-term cycle, I don't know. It's, it takes smarter people than I. But my point is that if you look at the 1990 map, it more accurately reflects what we've just been through than the 2012 map. You need to go by that 1990 map. If you can get a copy of that and print it, then you'll be all set. If you happen to have a copy of the book that I'll be talking about in a few minutes, my, my latest book, I put those two maps side by side in the book because I still, even before this one, this cold spell, I felt that that 1990 map was probably going to be more accurate. So uh, anyway, I think they moved us too far north in many of the counties in the state. Uh, if you were if you were on the border of one of the hardiness zones, you probably got boosted into the warmer zone south of you, and probably you <laughs> found out this week the hard way. So let's talk about plants. Let me give you the phone number now. With that one thing, you know, if you if you were to call and say, Neil, you think my gardenia survived? I don't know. Uh, if if you're calling from Amarillo, I'll say if it was outside, probably not. And if you're calling from Austin, I'll say, I don't know. If you're calling from Victoria, I'll say, probably so. I don't know, but probably so. It, it just really depends. But, you know, to all the other listeners, that isn't the exciting thing. I, I want to talk to you in more general terms about what we can do now, how we can approach the rest of springtime since it's just now getting started. Uh, 888-256-1080, the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour, 888-256-1080. Jared Taylor is running the boards and answering the phones, and uh, he will be the first voice you'll hear, and he'll get you ready to go on the air with me. I really do want to talk about gardening, and I want to be of help to you. I want to be to, of help to all the listeners and all the gardeners in this great state. I love this hobby. And we do have setbacks. You know, this is why they teach horticulture, my field, in the College of Agriculture in all the major universities in the country, the major land-grant universities, because it has the same pitfalls that farming does. And uh, lest you ever wonder, it is full of all kinds of ways to fail. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit in a few minutes, and, and the nurseries and the and the golf courses and the, all you just name all the industries in horticulture and agronomy right now and how they're how they're struggling after this week let me uh, tell you about my book one I referenced just a moment ago and that's Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening uh, it is a book that I think will help ensure your gardening success it may be the only gardening reference book you need. Let me tell you about the, the 11 chapters that are in the book. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas. And that's where on page 5 you find those two maps of the hardiness zones. You'll find the 1990 map that you may have a hard time finding online. You'll have to look a little bit, but it's there. 
but you can find it easily on page five of my book. So that's chapter that's chapter one. It's the the things you have to know to get started in gardening in Texas. Chapter two, I've never put in a book before. I've had chapter chapters two and other books I've written, but never a calendar, a 48-page calendar of when to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all the plants in your landscape and garden month by month when you need to do all these important tasks. Chapters 3 through 11 cover trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables in incredible detail, all of them. I spent four to six weeks on every one of these chapters. It took me more than a year to put all of this down in, on paper, and uh, it is 344 pages, 840 of my best photographs. It represents everything I've ever said or done or, or written in my career. It took me a lifetime to learn what I've put in this book, and you can get this book for only $34.00 and 95 cents plus tax and postage and some people say even better <laughs> I'll sign your copy as it sells uh, you can buy it right now at my website in fact Gretchen will be pulling the names later today and I'll be signing the books this evening they're sitting on my dining room floor about 50 feet from me right now waiting to be signed I'll sign them and we'll get them in the mail on Monday we didn't get to mail anything this week we didn't get mail at our home all week until yesterday we couldn't get out of our driveway until yesterday but we'll get them all mailed this coming Monday last weekends and this week and uh, the way you order is to go to my website neilsperry.com this is a hardback printed in Texas this will be your reference book Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening not in stores and not on Amazon order it at neilsperry.com n-e-i-l-s-p-e-r-r-y.com you can also call my office Monday through Friday 800 752-GROW 800-752-4769 but the better way by far is to order it right now at n-e-i-l-s-p-e-r-r-y dot com why should you pay every month for a temporary storage facility when you can own a genuine Mueller building. Oh man, wouldn't it have been nice to have a Mueller building during the last week? Mueller's backyard buildings are easy to assemble. They're affordable and they offer a permanent storage solution right there in your own backyard. With a variety of sizes available and more than 30 colors from which to choose, their backyard building kits complement any home or landscape. And if your equipment requires even more storage space, Mueller Standard Series buildings are ready to go to work for you. From workshops to big barns, these pre-engineered bolt-together buildings come in a variety of size and color options. You can also visit them online at MuellerInc.com to get a free customized building estimate. That's MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. While you're there, click on the color selector tool to make choosing the perfect combination of colors an easy decision. If you'd like to find out more about Mueller Steel Buildings and Metal Roofing, call 877-2-MUELLER today. That's 877-268-3553. Or visit them at MuellerInc.com. Mueller, Mueller Buildings. I'll be back with more after this message.
All right, Kelly, thank you very much. Didn't mean to scare you off on the uh, calls. Go ahead and call. Let's talk points. Let's see what we can uh, do to help uh, with uh, your garden questions. The uh, phone number is 888-256-1080. Let's go to Clifford in Brenham. First call up this morning. Clifford, good morning. How can I help you? Good morning. I have uh, all about nine crape myrtles. I think they're fairly young. They were, I've been in this house about a year. They were planted before I got here. Uh, they didn't do all that great last year, but they, was, they were alive. They're about an uh, inch, inch and a quarter uh, in diameter as they come up, about, oh, maybe 8 to 12 foot tall. And I was wondering, we had got down into the 10 degree range. And I don't know if they froze and I need to cut them back or wait till they green, see if they green out a little bit or what. Absolutely wait until and see what happens to them. Um, I'm very very involved in fact helped found the crepe myrtle trails of mckinney and uh, we have all of the known varieties of crepe myrtles there are about 125 varieties that we have planted and we've planted a, between 30 and 40,000 plants in mckinney and every year we see every, almost every year not every year but certainly this year we will uh, see several varieties die back to the ground we have to cut them back and wait on them to come back uh, the most common varieties in the nursery trade are among those, and that's Natchez and Tuscarora, um, Muscogee, and uh, Country Red, and Sioux, those those five. And uh, so it's it's very common for them to die back, but we have to wait and see what comes out in late March or early April. They will tell you what uh, what needs to be trimmed back. Don't trim anything that's... Uh, it's still living. Uh, crepe myrtles are subtropical plants, and even on a regular winter, whatever that is in Texas, even on a regular winter, you'll always lose about six or eight inches of the tip growth because they don't stop growing in the fall. They don't. They don't realize that there is cold weather coming because where they're native, they they don't get cold uh, weather. Uh, Chinese tallow trees do the very same thing. You'll always have that tip die back. So we don't ever want to trim anything off the ends of crepe myrtles. That's where topping is. Well, that's one of the many reasons we never want to top crepe myrtles. No, don't prune anything. Just let them be and, and see what comes out. And then if they don't come back and the other green ones do come you can out. Trim away, you can trim away anything that is dead. And then if you need to reshape them because they're really weird looking, uh, misshapen, then you can go ahead and do corrective pruning after that. But... But please just don't top them. Don't, I'm don't not, cut them. I wasn't playing on top of them. Yeah, that's a boy. That's a cut them down to the ground. <laughs> yeah, there you back. go. You're doing fine. Okay. We, Thank you, Clifford, very much. Have a beautiful everything day. Everything is, is froze back. It's time to, for spring to get here. <laughs> I'm ready. Bring it right. on. Take care. Yeah. yeah I'll, thank you very much, Clifford. I'll tell you a time that was worse than this one for me as a talk show host was back. It's been... 10 or 15 years ago, we had an early freeze in, uh, in, in I think it was October, uh, in North Texas. I do a, a couple of programs in North Texas, uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it browned a bunch of plants in late October, and I had to suffer. And I'm not asking for sympathy. It's really kind of funny in retrospect. But I had to go through November, December, January, and February 
with people thinking that their plants were dead and the calls were coming in Neil when will we know are these plants dead and and it just I kept saying wait till March well now when I say wait till March it means three weeks then it meant four months it was really I was so glad to see March arrive so anyway um, one of the things uh, phone line is available to you now if you'd like to call it's 888-256-1080 where do we go from here with our landscapes with our lawns with our gardens for that matter one of the things I want to warn you of with the vegetable gardening because everybody is excited about vegetable gardening one of the things I want to warn you about is if you have missed the planting date let, let me back that up a little bit vegetables have very vegetable crops have very specific planting windows and it's uh, determined by how many weeks uh, prior to the average date of the last killing freeze in your city uh, I'm going to use where I grew up Bryan College Station the average date of the last killing freeze is about the 7th of March that's not where I live now but I'll just use that as an example and that would fit for Clifford in Brenham also so March 7 you want to plant broccoli and cabbage about a month before that time so you're you're there you're a little beyond that so if you had planted that let's say two or three weeks ago it probably froze but you're still close enough you could go ahead and replant but if you're in deep south Texas in Corpus Christi uh, it may be getting kind of late and onions go in way early they go in back uh, in January and it's too late to plant onions in any part of Texas except maybe the very far north end of the panhandle they they will get too hot the the flavor will be bad same with snap peas you don't have time uh, sugar snaps you don't have time for them to mature before summer arrives so just say okay this is not my year to have those crops I'll use that space for something else don't try to to fool mother nature she she wins on this one because of the cold so that's what I always tell people when you get four weeks of heavy heavy rains and you can't get out in the garden to plant or if you get a really nasty cold spell and you can't get out in the garden you know your plants are lost don't try to make up for lost time by replanting the the bulk of the planting vegetable planting season is ahead of you so you're not in bad shape right now don't worry about it just uh, plant when uh, uh, plant when the time rolls around the warm season vegetables again to use Bryan College Station as my example with that March 7 date that's when you'd start planting tomatoes and beans and peppers and squash and things like that or March 10th or 15th you're, you're fine you'll do fine you might move back a little bit because the soil is very cold if it doesn't warm up much then you move it back a few days uh, the same would be said for pre-emergent weed killers I heard the comment yesterday if you have an area where you think the lawn has been killed because of the cold for example the St. Augustine maybe you don't apply pre-emergent weed killers to that area because that will inhibit the root growth of any new sod or if you're going to seed you're not going to seed St. Augustine but if you've decided to change over to Bermuda grass don't be don't be putting a pre-emergent out in that area if you think there's a chance that you've lost St. Augustine in an area. Just use some common sense as you think through things. Uh, so that's a that's a good start. Let's go to Diane in Chapel Hill. Diane, this is Neil. Good morning. Hello. Hi there. You're on the air. How can I help you? Yes, sir. Last year we planted some live oak trees, and uh, 
I guess we kind of got slack of watering them, and then we went back there out in our pasture, and we started watering them again. And then we noticed two of them, they started to green back. We were able to save all four, but out of the four, two of them started getting green from the bottom. And I would say the upper top part looks like it's dead. What should we do with that? Should we just wait or what? Yeah, I would wait until probably the 1st of May or late April and see if anything offers to to sprout out up above. My guess is it will not. Probably they died back, and there were enough roots that survived that the the bottom has sprouted out again. This is not uncommon. Um, Okay. And if you trim uh, trim them back uh, to where you take advantage of a good, strong shoot that comes out of that lower part, and let it become the new trunk. There will be a little bit of a crook in that trunk for a while, for a year or two or three. But as the trunk enlarges, it will swallow up that crook, and it won't be noticeable at all. So this is, in in the long term of it all, not a not a horrible setback. It, okay. It's a shame to let that happen, but it happens. I've done the same thing. Um, and and so what what happened was you were on the brink of losing the plant entirely. You correct, got there correct. just in time with the water, and, and uh, I think you can turn it around. Okay, what about, like, on those same trees, they got, you know, the shoot shooting out the bottom of them. Should we clip those off now or just wait till we do everything in May? I would, I would wait until 1st of May, and then what I would probably do, you do not want to have two or three strong central uh, trunks. You want to have one. Uh, that will be much stronger if, in case of an ice storm or a windstorm or anything else. And so uh, leave two or three for uh, a little while because an animal could come along and, and bump the one if you trimmed it down to just one initially. But I would leave the two or three straightest ones for a few months and then eventually trim them off uh, uh, pretty much flush with the, the main trunk or you know, you're you're looking at you'll be able to tell and just leave the one main trunk or if you want to trim everything off and just leave one right at the outset in may then put a stake alongside it so that it's protected but eventually by the end of this growing season you want to have one trunk everything goes to that one trunk okay so when we trim it in may we just 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 cut that if, if that part doesn't come out when we trim it do i need to put any kind of like a sealer on the part that I cut Probably not. No, probably not, uh, Diane, because it's dead wood, and I don't think anything's going to invade that. Uh, Trim it down uh, at a 45-degree angle and and try to cut it fairly close to one of those, to the, you're you're trying to select the strongest straight shoot that you have, the strongest straight branch. You might get rid of a weakling that's above it, you know, you may have a weakling at the very top, and you say, no, that one doesn't look like it has much vigor. So you go ahead and trim it off and, and go down to the second or the third one, and that becomes your new trunk. And, and right above that one, then, is where you make the cut uh, in the in the old dead trunk. Try not to cut so close that you damage the one that you're leaving. Uh, okay. that, might be an, that might be another reason to leave a couple of extras just in case, uh, in case you, you have cut too closely. Uh, but... You know, if you're within, oh, I'm holding my fingers maybe a quarter inch apart, uh, maybe a quarter inch of that bud, uh, of that okay. shoot, I think you'll be fine. Okay. So what you're saying is shoot the little limbs that are coming off the main trunk itself. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of them, and you don't want to leave more than maybe a, a couple, and, and two or three, 
And okay. eventually, by the end of this growing season, you'll have only the one. Okay. Well, okay. Now I understand because I, I looked at it and I said, oh, my Jesus, what do we do with that? Yeah, I have a thicket coming here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can do it. Okay. It'll, it'll look good this time next year. Thank you okay, for the well, call. Okay, well, I appreciate it. Sure. Thank have you. a good day. <laughs> Bye-bye. You too. Stay warm. All right. Jean is in Sinton, and we'll come to her in just a second. So stay there, if you will, please, and uh, you could be right after. It's 888-256-1080, the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour, 888-256-1080. Neil Spray's eGardens is my free electronic newsletter, and I have a kind of a secret for you here. It goes out Thursdays just a little after 6 p.m., right at 6 p.m., but not this week. It's going to go out sometime during the noon hour. I mean, you can sign up right now and get it within an hour because we couldn't get in the parking lot at my office in McKinney. It's on an incline, and poor Gretchen could not get up there. There's, nobody could. It's an insurance agency. We rent an office in that building. There are three insurance agencies and uh, a, a financial planner in there, and nobody could get in the office. It was just flat shut all week. And so she came in yesterday afternoon late and, and, and set up eGardens. I proofed it late last night. She went in this morning to make corrections. She's doing that right now. I will proof it as soon as this program is over. Uh, for the second time, and she will get it ready to send out sometime during the noon hour. Neil Sperry's eGardens. It's my free electronic newsletter. It comes from my computer directly to your email, and you'll have it within probably, uh, I'd say, 70 minutes, seven zero minutes, if you sign up for it. Uh, there are five stories in each eGardens. And uh, let me tell you what the topics are, because I am quite familiar. The plant of the week this week I had already written is geraniums, just something you can put in a pot and brighten things up. Man, we need something to brighten up our lives. Uh, the, the big topic this week that I've spent a lot of time writing is anticipating the aftermath. What do we do with all these different categories of our landscape, lawn, and garden? And it's kind of what I was hinting at just a moment ago uh, on what do we do with the lawns, what do we do with the garden, what do we do with this and that. Um, also, another topic we have is uh, uh, what do we do with fireplace ashes? Can they go on the garden? That's a question of the week. Uh, will this impact the, the timing of pre-emergent weed control? Uh, and so that's a, a very important thing. And then I always have gardening this weekend. Uh, this week where I point out the things that you need to be doing in the next three or four days. I think that covers everything that we have in eGardens. So I really hope that you will uh, sign up for it if you're not already a subscriber. If you are a subscriber, please be watching for it because it will be coming very quickly within the next hour and a half. It's Neil Sperry's eGardens. Where do you sign up for it? Well, you sign up for it at my website, same place you buy my latest book. That's at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Click on that eGardens tab, and we'll look forward to having you as a, a subscriber. It's free and always will be, and I'll never spam you. We don't give or sell your email address to anyone. We have right at 70,000 subscribers. We'd love to have you. Neil Sperry's eGardens at neilsperry.com. I'll be back with more after these messages. Thank you, Kelly. Let's go back to the phone lines. We have Jean and Sinton. Jean, this is Neil. Good morning. Sir, I want to know when you need to fertilize crepe myrtles and what to use. 
I fertilize my crepe myrtles when they begin to grow in the spring, and that's going to be vastly different for me for me in, in McKinney, Texas, right. for, for you where you are because you start everything early. <laughs> I don't uh, know and, about now. Yeah, I know. It kind of was a setback, wasn't it? Yeah, well, and I had water lines break, and uh, my crepe myrtles are going to be really? well watered till about July. How cold did you guys get? You uh, got to 20? We got, yeah, probably, or maybe yeah, I was even watching, a little bit cooler. Yeah. I was watching Corpus Christi. We have a friend who is a, a music teacher at, at A&M uh, Corpus Christi, and uh, I, I, he was saying he was digging plumerias all, all day a week ago. So, um, and it was the, supposed to get down to 26 tonight, so I'm not uncovering anything and probably Isn't that crazy? Much. Well, and then Monday it's supposed to get cold Monday night down to 36, I think. The, the thing, there are two ways that cold hurts plants. One is by the, the, the depth of the cold. How cold did it get? Mm. And that's where, the, that's where the 20 will get you. But the other is duration. And this came yep. at, with both barrels. This got us both mm-hmm. ways. Um, I fertilize my crepe myrtles when they begin to bud out, which in, in, uh, in North Texas is late April. For you all, it would be the 1st of April probably. Right. Yeah. And then I would repeat that about the 1st of June. And I fertilize mine again about the first of September, just because they have some growth okay, in the fall. But what kind? And what I use season? the very same thing on crepe myrtles that I use on my turf grass, and that is an all nitrogen. Now I, I, I want to come back and address that for you, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. We're in a very heavy clay soil. <laughs> I, I use. A, yes, sir. We've got that. Okay, then then the answer is the same for you. Then I use an all nitrogen fertilizer that has upwards of half of the nitrogen in slow-release form. Um, and the reason for that is the middle number, the phosphorus, that is the middle number of the fertilizer analysis, accumulates in our soil. And Texas A&M has recommended for many, many years that we not add much more phosphorus to our soils, that it is, it, it's becoming almost toxic. And so nitrogen, the, okay. you'll notice that crepe myrtles bloom on their new growth. And so you right. want that new growth, and that's why I fertilize them just as they start growing. Okay, tell me again because I'm writing this down. Nitrogen sure. slow release. Well, yeah, you want a you want a good lawn food. You don't want the cheapest lawn fertilizer, oh, turf okay. fertilizer. Okay. Uh, let me let me back up. Just don't don't write for a second. I'll explain it. Okay. If if you buy the cheapest lawn fertilizer, you go out and you find a bag that is just a few dollars a bag. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be fast release. It's going to be quick release. Okay. Uh, and and it will be junk food for your lawn and for the crepe myrtles and make them grow, but they'll only grow for a week. And that's bad for the lawn, and it's bad for the crepe myrtles. What you want is a high-quality lawn fertilizer. And if you ask an independent retail nursery okay. or hardware store, not a not a big box store, but an okay. independent, a, a place where people really know their products, uh, or, a, or a feed store, they'll show you on the back of the bag where it shows how much of that nitrogen is in slow-release form. It's encapsulated or it's coated. Those are two words you're looking for, encapsulated okay. or coated nitrogen. And you want maybe 30, 40% of it to be that so that you get sustained feeding over six or eight or 10 weeks. So I'm, I'm giving you the general answer, not specifics, but it's going to be very high in the first number, maybe zero in the middle number. And then the third number is not quite so critical. It'll be there, but it won't be very high. That's potassium. Okay. 
All right, April, June, and would you say September? Yeah, first of April for you would be first of April, first of June, first of September. Okay. Alrighty, and yes, we got cold. I have a bathtub with pansies in it. The pansies are beautiful, and the ground was frozen solid. You have probably the only beautiful pansies in Texas. They right are now. gorgeous. They really oh, are. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Well, we won't talk about the Springer fir or the Mexican petunias. They're pitiful. So. Yeah. Well, I think we're all in that boat with yep. some of our plants. The, the, the names change, but the, well, but the and reaction year, is the same. Next year, I don't care how pretty them, them tomatoes are at Home Depot, I'm going to say, tell myself, no, no, no. Well, you can, you can grow tomatoes. Deal with an independent retail garden center where you can get varieties that are yeah. adapted well, for your area. Well, there's some yeah. there's some great research that, that my buddy Jerry Parsons, Dr. Jerry Parsons, does in San Antonio, and, and uh, he works with the growers in the Bear County area to ship into your area uh, some of the tomato varieties that mm-hmm. are, will be really well adapted for you. Well, I have luck with the Husky Cherry Tomato and the Patio Hybrid. I've and you see what you're doing is you're staying with small to mid-sized tomatoes, and that's what you need. Well, last year I made the mistake of buying Big Boy and, and what's the, the another one? Beefsteak. Well, no, it was it was a lady's name or whatever it was. Anyway, I had one tomato on a $4 plant. So, there you go. Yeah, that's the, that's it, the problem. It ain't going to happen again. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, hey, I appreciate you calling, you, Jeff. Have a good day. Thank okay. you. you All right. I'm going to get, uh, I'm way behind on breaks. Let me do a quick one here. And Daniel and Brenham, you'll be coming up next. I'll do a quick one from my book. It's Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. Folks, everything that I could possibly tell you or write for you is in this book. And the book is only $34.95 plus tax and postage satisfaction is guaranteed and uh, or I'll refund every penny. We've sold 59000 not one request for a refund yet. You can only get it from my website or by calling my office. It's not in stores and it's not on Amazon. Please, if you will, take a look at it at neilsperry.com right now and get it ordered right now and I'll sign your book later this afternoon. It's N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. I'll be back with more after these messages. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, I'll go to Daniel and Brenham in just a moment. I do want to. I do want to make a comment. Having sat through the um, the industry webinar yesterday that Texas A&M lined up, a couple things that I overheard uh, being said that are important to you. Um. If you are looking for plumbing parts for your sprinkler system, go out and check your sprinkler system. Uh, Even though it's not going to be running right now, just check the lines now that things are beginning to thaw. Do that every day or so and make sure that none of the lines has broken, uh, the valves has broken. Just make sure everything is okay. Just walk the system and, and look at it. It doesn't take you long. Um, and, and continue to do that for a week or so. Um, and then sometime in the next couple of weeks, put it through its paces by having somebody turn it on and check all the stations to make sure everything's functioning. Uh, and be patient with, with the uh, supply of parts. Everybody needs plumbing parts, mainly for houses, unfortunately. But uh, they're going to be in short supply for a little while. Nursery stock is going to be in short supply for a while, for a while. And uh, so be patient with your independent retail garden centers. 
and 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 buy locally where you can from the independent retail garden centers because they're not going to bring stuff in from 3,000 miles away that won't be adapted to our state. Um, there's going to be some of that going on in the big national chain stores, so be careful. Uh, neilsperry.com is my website. That's where you buy my latest book, Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening, where you sign up for eGardens, the newsletter that will still go out, like I said, in about an hour. Uh, it normally goes out on Thursday, but you have a unique opportunity today to sign up for it and get it almost immediately. That's at neilsperry.com. Lots of important information there. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Let me also tell you about Mueller right now. Homegrown goodness, that's what Mueller is all about. They've been producing quality steel buildings and metal roofing right here in Texas for almost 90 years. And now you can grow a Mueller greenhouse right there in your own backyard. They're easy to assemble, bolt together greenhouses come in four sizes, from 6x9 to 12x18. They feature galvanized steel frame with more than 30 designer trim colors to choose from. With hail-resistant polycarbonate panels, lockable walk doors and windows, a Mueller greenhouse will let the sun shine in while it protects your plants year-round. Don't let the weather ruin what you've worked so hard to produce this year. Get a great greenhouse from a Texas-grown company. Oh, don't you wish you'd had a Mueller greenhouse this past week? Visit them online at MuellerInc.com or give them a call. Do it today at 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877 877- Two six eight three five five three Mueller Inc. dot com Mueller Greenhouses. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. Let's go to Brenham again and we go to Daniel. Daniel, this is Neil. Good morning. Hello, Neil. This is Daniel Belsky in Brenham, Texas. Hey, yes, sir. Uh, I got a real question here that I have never really been able to find out what the name of this uh, this plant or, or bush is. It's uh, My grandma always called it the Christmas rose, and it, it blooms roses on it. Uh, it's probably about, right now, it's probably about uh, eight foot tall, and uh, it's, it's just full of, looks like roses all over it in the in around Christmas and now at this time they're they're starting to lose the roses now. Uh I've heard it called rosacea. I don't know if that's it or what it is. Hello? All right. Okay. Uh, um what color are the flowers? I I thought you were gonna they're, be talking yeah they go look ahead. just like a red rose. All and right. It's on a it's on a, a small leaf bush. Uh Golly, I wish I could explain it, but uh, it uh, it is uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, bush. What and do I the leaves? What is it? Evergreen? Yes, yes, it is. All right. I thought I thought when you started that you were talking about a hellebore, hellebores, uh, a plant, uh-huh. but they'll get eight feet tall. They're little perennials that get about knee high. So I'm wondering now if maybe you're talking about some kind of a camellia. Um, uh, maybe that's what it is, but it's it's got the rose on it. Looks it never opens up like a real rose. It just stays in a big clump, but they're they're solid red and they're just multiple. The whole around Christmas, the the whole uh, bush just gets full of them. All right, and 
So I, I want you to look up uh, Camellia, and then if you want to put Christmas Rose as the variety name, that would be fine. Uh, camellias are the only shrubs that I can think of that would bloom at that time and have any resemblance to a rose. Okay. This and is they, a- will, they will grow in, in uh, Washington County. Um, so that's going to be my guess. I don't know of any other plant that would, would fit that category. Yeah. Do these have do these have glossy dark green leaves? Uh huh. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'll bet you have a camellia. They're beautiful. Okay. Yeah, they are. I mean, and it's always it always. I think the reason she called it that because it's always around Christmas and then towards the what? the fall and winters when it blooms. No, I get that. All camellias will bloom during the during okay. the uh, cool months, um, and. Uh, two things worthy of note on on common names. First of all, that may be the variety name. Uh, we don't grow camellias in the Dallas Fort Worth area very successfully, so I, uh-huh. I don't have a lot of experience with them. And secondly, you can put a com- any common name you want on a plant. There's no uh, there's no requirement. There's no regulation. You know, you can call it Henry if you want to, and that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, but botanical names have to be specific things. I'm out of time, but but look up camellia and then enter Christmas rose and see what you get. Uh, Got to run. Thanks. I appreciate your call. Thank you, Daniel. Folks, thanks for listening. Happy gardening.